Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 47. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and today on the Adamantium Podcast, we are about to get disturbed. And that is because we've got Dan Donegan, the guitarist of one of the greatest metal bands of my time growing up, and that's the band Disturbed. And this episode was really, really cool for me because I'm a big, I've been a big fan of Disturbed for a long, long time. Since the first time I saw them actually at OzFest, dating back to like 2006, maybe, right after their album 10,000 Fists came out. And I've been a huge, huge fan, uh, at least ever since then, if not before. So I met up with Dan at the Scotiabank Arena, formerly the Air Canada Centre, here in Toronto before their arena show uh, with Three Days Grace opened opening for them. Super amazing show. Amazing show. It's the first time I've seen Disturbed anyways in a venue that size. And man, did they fill the space so well. Like, And I don't just mean like with their sound, but the the, the performance and the stage show, the lighting, like everything. I, it was almost felt like it was meant for, this music was meant for an arena. So Disturbed are currently touring for, I think it's their seventh studio album. I think it came out around October. It's called Evolution. It's also the second album since the they took a several year hiatus. And uh, they took a little bit of a different approach with this album, which we'll talk about uh, in the interview. And we're going to get into the Adamantium Recommend section, but before we do, I wanted to give a quick shout out, and that's because I recently got some some information, some statistics from our host site, which the podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. And one thing I found really interesting is that recently, anyways, we've actually had a larger number of American listeners than Canadian listeners, which is really interesting, especially since the last few episodes have all been Canadian artists. So not sure how, how necessarily you've been, you found out about the podcast, but I want to say a very, very big thank you to our American listeners for tuning in, um, as well as our Canadian listeners. I mean, and we have listeners overseas and everything, but it was just that, that kind of surprise that of that spike in numbers. So thank you to our uh, neighbors down south for tuning in, and we're glad to have you. So going into the Adamantium Recommend section, what that is for any new listeners is whenever we have a musician or a band, I like to give a couple song recommendations in case you've never heard that band before, you're not too familiar with them, which in this case uh, is kind of odd because Disturbed are, um, like I said, they filled an arena, they're a big name, so it's almost kind of weird to try and pick a top five. So I guess instead, here's kind of five awesome songs by Disturbed. So uh, first song, of course, has to be Down With The Sickness. Disturbed's probably mega hit. It was the song that kind of made them. If you have, if you don't recognize it by name, you would probably recognize the opening as soon as you heard it and in, in a commercial or a sporting event of some kind. The second song I'm going to recommend is called Stricken. The third song is the Genesis cover uh, that they do of Land of Confusion. So awesome. The fourth song I'm going to recommend is called Inside the Fire, one of my favorites. And the last song I'm going to recommend is actually Disturbed's latest single. It's called Are You Ready? And it's very classic Disturbed, very heavy, very crunchy. 
uh, very vocally awesome, awesome song. Before we jump into the interview, a quick reminder that if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, and if you can take a minute, please leave us a rating and a review. That always helps. And you can now listen to the Adamantium podcast on Spotify or Google Play Music or Stitcher or basically anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can also follow myself, the Adamantium, on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And there are slightly different handles on each, but you can find us by searching the Adamantium. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's it from me for this week. For now, let's get into the interview. Here's episode number 47 with Dan Donegan. Let's all get disturbed. So we're here with Dan from Disturbed. What's up? Thanks again for, for coming by. And uh, first of all, congratulations on the new album. Thank you. It's awesome, like all the albums. Sure. <laughs> I'm a fan myself, Thank for, you. by the way. So it's yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> You're not just saying that? I'm not just saying that. I ask these guys yeah. for, for the bands I like. Yeah, good. Yeah. It, makes, it makes the interview a lot good. more interesting. And uh, Evolution... I, I think it kind of over, like kind of tells the story of you guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Disturbed's been a band now for like two decades. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could start by telling us how how Disturbed's evolved over the last. Well, I mean, it's been a couple decades, so we've yeah. evolved quite a bit. Um, you know, just musically and individually as, as musicians and together as writers together and just as. As men, as husbands, as fathers, as friends, we've um, our lives have been. Yeah, I mean, I've been with these guys. I mean, we're with each other more than we are our, our own wives and kids because yeah. we live out on the road so much. But um, it's just been a it's been a great deal of uh, of respect we have for each other and a great strong friendship that still has been going strong for over twenty years and. Um, as far as the writing, I think we're I think we're really after all these years, I think we're really finding our, our groove. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we come into things with, with such an open mind and just a lot more laid back approach. Nobody's you know fighting for any position or anything. We all have certain roles in the band, and uh, you know to be able to come into a studio or in a writing session, it's just. Any ideas are, are welcome. I mean, we kind of have a protocol of, of the way things typically operate for us, but we're all open-minded to trying new things and trying to branch out. And, um, I mean, the, a lot of the disturbed content comes from things that you guys are disturbed about, you know? And how has that changed over the last 20 years? Because I imagine things that you were... You know, frustrated with in your twenties, and they don't necessarily do the things you're frustrated well, with. Well, there's still a lot of things <laughs> that can frustrate yeah, us. Yeah, but um, a lot of it. I mean, having written over a hundred and something songs together mm-hmm. is is a lot. You know, so we're trying to keep things new and exciting and fresh, and and what topics uh, are the new things to talk about. And um, in the earlier years, a lot of it would be I would present the music to the to David and David would write lyrics mm-hmm. after he writes a melody on top of it but over the years it's been a more collaborative effort of us kind of um, feeding some ideas to each other mm-hmm. because we don't want to be uh, 
you know, repetitious of just doing doing the same regurgitate old topics or old music ideas. So we're kind of listening a little bit more to each other's advice and opinions because mm-hmm. we have that respect. And a lot of times David will ask me early in the process, hey, is, is there any topics, you know, that, that you want to touch on? And, and a majority of the time we're on a lot of um, similar opinions on a lot of world topics or just life topics in a couple of big ones were like a reason to fight. Um, I had mentioned them early in the process that um, we've all had either family members, loved ones, or, or close friends that people that have either battled, you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, depression, PTSD. Uh, I mean, you, you name it. There's been a number of, of these um these diseases that have plagued a lot of people that have been mm-hmm. close to us, and we thought you know, that's an important topic to kind of uh, shed a little bit of light on it and try to bring some positivity mm-hmm. to such a dark subject. And that, that's it's not every song that we've written that way, but we do tend to lean towards dark subject or mm-hmm. dark things with a positive spin on it to, okay. for signs of, of hope and, and strength. Um, and I think I read somewhere too that the album was dedicated to uh, people like Chester Bennington and, and Vinnie Paul. And it, it, was that kind of along, was that in mind when you guys were putting the album together? Or it, it, I mean, it was, it was, it's dedicated because they were friends, friends and of peers yours. of ours. You're right. But, okay. um, you know, th- those were happening mm-hmm. around the time that we were writing and making the album too. So, uh, you know, amongst a lot of other things, we have all have personal reasons, our mm-hmm. personal dedications. We didn't have to write them in the album credits to who the albums, you know, personally may mean mean to us. You right. Know, it's like Mikey, our drummer, his his brother had passed away a couple of years ago. I'm sure a lot of his contribution, he was probably thinking of yeah. his brother in those needs. And, and I have some family members that have gone through those, mm-hmm. those struggles. So the inspiration was behind, uh, you know, those people, each of you, kind of you know, individually, yeah, a kind combination, of, of, and yeah, but but with, of course with Chester and, and Chris Cornell and Vinnie Paul was and, and any of our our colleagues and friends of ours that have passed in the past couple of years have definitely uh, you know inspired us as well. Mm-hmm. And you said that um, often you'll bring kind of like a rhythm to David and, and then he'll put lyrics on top of it or something. Is that generally how you guys work? It, it was. Like the music comes first, yeah. And then, it's all, yeah, 99.9 okay. percent of the time, yeah. it's all, always been that way. Um, occasionally, it might be a, a lyric or a theme idea, but a majority of the time, it's the music will dictate and inspire a melody mm-hmm. from David first. Once that has it, depending on the feel of in the energy of the song, may dictate what we want to sing about mm-hmm. you know, what kind of emotion do we want to get out of this and, and typically if it's something that's upbeat or aggressive or feels anthemic then it's kind of yes, our yeah. fight song or whatever it just it seems to you know lend itself to that mm-hmm. um, so but it, it doesn't always have to be, be the case it just depends in the moment you mm-hmm. know? it just depends on what, what kind of nerve it strikes when we're, when we're writing it right um, and in those early days, a lot of it would be I would demo the music first, and now we live all live in different states. We're far from each other, and you have the luxury and the convenience and the technology of something like Pro Tools and stuff to get the ideas going, and it works. But there's still nothing better than collaborating together in a room and mm-hmm. having that 
that magic happen in the moment. Right. You know, it's just, it's real. Feeding it's, off each other. Yeah, yeah, it's real, it's organic, it's the way bands had to do it back mm-hmm. in the day. And like I said, it's a good tool to have when we're away from each other to maybe, uh, you know, get a little spark going of mm-hmm. inspiration. But it's those moments of, of just being in the room. Because if, if I send him some files and he's in Hawaii and I'm in Chicago and then I'm send him files and I'm waiting for an email back for a reaction and a response, it's like it's not as exciting as right. it is to be in, the, to be room in the room and, and seeing the excitement and seeing if we're playing a riff and Mike's throwing a beat to it and, and David's trying to feel it out and trying to kind of scat over it with just a melody. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, and we just kind of jam it and just loop the parts for a bit. And, and we know if it's not, if it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, then I'll change up the riff a bit, change the beat a bit. We just kind of improvise mm-hmm. until we feel like we're in a groove. Yeah. It. And the feedback's immediate then. Yeah. Too, yeah. You, you, yeah. You're, you're feeling it. Yeah. And you're seeing the excitement and you're seeing, you know. There's it was the like emotion the, behind it too. Of course. It was like the first day we got David uh, in the band when he auditioned for us back in 96. And yeah. it was like, it was the improvising moment. Mm-hmm that we knew that there was a chemistry there. So it was, it was a matter of me playing guitar riff and Mike threw, threw a beat to it and all of a sudden Dave's just listening to what we're doing. It was the first day we met him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of started improvising melody over the top of it and it was instant, you know, I'm smiling, chemistry I'm grinning ear to ear because I'm like, there's a hook here. Yeah. You know, so, and, and you need that, you know. Um, like I said, even though people nowadays, you, you have that, the luxury of the technology and you, and you can do it alone, you can do it, you know, mm-hmm. wait for responses and people to record their files and send them, but it doesn't beat being in a room and, and just having that mm-hmm. chemistry in the moment. Yeah. And, and evolution, I notice, you know, listening through it, it's got uh, a lot more of an acoustic element to it than any of the previous yeah. albums. What made you guys decide to go that route? Well, for quite a few years now, I mean, it's been a long time. We've always talked about the idea of, of doing some acoustic um, songs, or at mm-hmm. least attempting to work on it. You know, I've always uh, been a fan of, even back with the early uh, MTV Unplugged days, yes, Alice right. in Chains, and even the Alice in Chains EPs of, you know, Sap and Jar of Flies and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then just bands throughout the years who have done the Unplugged versions. You and, mentioned Cornell earlier. This, oh, yeah. This is one of the best. Uh, incredible. Yeah. I love, you know, Chris Cornell, I, I've seen him do a few things. Even I don't know if you've ever seen him do Metallica, the mashup of Metallica yes. and U2 1. Yep, I was, uh, I've seen a lot. He played Massey Hall here, which is yeah. like our best acoustic. It was, it was such a brilliant venue. mashup. It was, yeah. And, and he's, you know, obviously an amazing singer, but I just thought the mashup was pretty clever. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we've always talked about it for years of wanting to do something, and the problem was we would end up recording the, the full album, and it would be exhausting and a long process of writing and recording and be a good half a year of doing that. And then we're excited to get that album out that we always put the acoustic ideas on the back burner. Right. We never got to it. Mm-hmm. We, and this time around, we made it a priority. So okay. we said, let's, let's start with some acoustic things and let's see because we've never written that way. Mm-hmm. Everything was always plugged in. And so let's just experiment. Let's just try it. And, and uh, you know, we just, I'd start coming up with a few things. I collaborated with David a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It was coming together and, and we just kind of ran with it a bit. We recorded maybe six or six or seven, I think. And then we felt really strong about the material and the direction. Still at the time, we didn't know for sure if we were going to release it as an EP mm-hmm. on its own. If we were, and 
you know, we just, so let's just start writing and, and we'll just keep going and then we'll switch over to the electric stuff and, and, and continue while we're in the studio. And so we kind of switched gears once we felt like we had at least, you know, six strong acoustic ideas and got on, on the, the heavier stuff, the plugged in stuff. And then at the end of the day, we just said, you know what, let's just, let's just sequence it a certain way and we'll just put it on, on one album and just kind of show the evolution of the the sound too and the, and the kind of a newer direction we're always going to try to branch out we're ne- ne- never going to divorce ourselves from our signature sound mm-hmm. there's always going to be something with syncopation and well i mean right at the beginning of are you ready which is like yeah disturbed 101 right yeah. and, and that i mean musically that riff that's i wrote that in 2003 and, and okay i had that on the back burner we just at the time we never finished it because we had the material for yeah, the yeah. album so I just kind of put it in the vault, and when I was digging through the archives this time around, I kind of just threw that in the mix of, of demos and said, and see if anybody would even remember it. Yeah. You know, if we did this at the time, it was probably, uh, I guess maybe 14 years ago at, at the time it was, yeah. when I brought it back in. So they kind of forgot about it for a bit. Yeah. And immediately, David gravitated towards it. He's like, dude, I got something. It was like one of the first ones yeah. right away. And I had to remind him, okay, you remember I kind of wrote this in 2003. Yeah. We finally got, got to it. But, yeah, it's, it is definitely Disturb 101. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all the other heavier stuff, like I said, there's always going to be the syncopation and with the drums and the riffs, and, and David's going to have those moments of angst in there. But I think as we mature, too, we want to branch out, show some of the acoustic side of it, show some different emotions so it takes you on a bit of a roller coaster yeah. ride. Cool. And like what what I thought was really, really cool about Disturbed, especially uh, around four years ago when you guys made the comeback, mm-hmm. um, is a lot of times these, you know, like uh, you know, classic bands, they, they come back and they, they cash in on their hits that they've done. And mm-hmm. you guys could have very easily come back and been like, here's the sickness, here's 10,000 right. fists. But you guys released Immortalized, which in my opinion is one of the most kick-ass metal albums thank I've you. heard in the last decade. Yeah, thank you. Was that something in the back of your minds when you said, you know, if we're going to come back, we've got to come back with something new well we definitely wanted to prove something you know right. to ourselves yeah you know too after taking a good four years off and away from each other it was a much needed break at a, at a couple different levels you know we wanted to give the fans a break we felt like we were turning into the mm-hmm. machine and even though that's the process of write record tour of write, course record, yeah we just felt like ah you know what let's let's give the fans a break let's give ourselves a break we've been around each other for ever mm-hmm. years let's just kind of go away bring our creativity on side projects or focus on family time whatever it is and uh but when we got back together i, I think it made a stronger bond between the, the friendship within the band and it lit a fire on us of saying you know we really need to hit this out of the park mm-hmm. you know and immortalized i thought you know it is one of my favorites that we've done and uh you know it just it's a it's a great album in my opinion now there's yeah. some really really cool moments in there beginning to end even yeah. even the bonus tracks yeah it was, yeah I, I it was my go-to running album yeah for like a good year that's the hard thing is always <laughs> picking which songs stay off the album become right. bonus tracks because we get so attached to, to I, I can't album. remember the name of the one there was one on there that was like how did this not even make that yeah, i know i still kick <laughs> myself thinking oh man i wish that would have we should have put that on the main album but, yeah you know it is what it is it's always going to be that way because we're passionate about everything of we, course we yeah. write and record so excellent and um 
I read somewhere that uh, the band has dubbed some of your style of playing as the Dan Donegan Orchestra. How did that, that name get come about? Probably or well, that title? because in those earlier days of, of re- making the albums, yeah, I, I like. I'm probably like the studio guy where I like to spend a lot of time in the studio. Mm-hmm. I like to layer things. I like to put things in there like as ear candy so much. So, right. Okay. And being a one guitar band, um, you know, I don't want to overproduce things, but I like things as, as ear candy to where maybe you don't catch it on the radio, but you put headphones on and you might hear little nuances within the track, mm-hmm. something melodic underneath, something that's going to be complimentary of what David's doing and not overplaying it could be very subtle Mm -hmm. but um i just like those elements of melody that are kind of tucked low in the mix that's just kind of whether it's strings or or piano melodies or guitar effect things Mm -hmm. or any random things of percussion um i like experimenting a little bit more in in the studio and trying things that we could kind of that are hard for people to recreate too not for the purpose of just being weird about it right but you know anything you just we just experiment with you know a talk box and i might take the hose of a talk box and i remember taking a, a like a vase or a candle and putting the the tube into the talk box and just tilting it open enough and holding the mic there and it and ran my guitar through it and it just you know just very get something different yeah i know it's kind of guitar nerdy geeky stuff and it drives everybody crazy because yeah, they yeah. got to sit there and wait for me to go through this whole process of it. So I think it kind of stemmed from kind of being experimental. This combination of sounds. That yeah. Way. yeah. Um, and I think about halfway through Disturbs History is when you guys actually decided to start putting guitar solos into the, uh, into the, into the mix. Um, so I was just curious, uh, in, in history, what are some of your favorite guitar solos? Well, I mean, even in the start of Disturbed, a lot of a lot of the material had had solos in them. But when we got David in the band, we, we were still it was like starting a band over. We were mm-hmm. trying to find our sound, and I was trying to I was doing less of them by my choice because I was kind of leaning more towards you know some of the grungier stuff like Soundgarden and, and Alice in Chains. Even mm-hmm. though they had some guitar solos, they weren't. Over the top. A lot of their bridges were musical journeys, or right. like, like, you know, Jesus Christ pose, or yeah. Rusty Cage, and like timing things. And I got more into that. I was trying to do a little bit more of a musical bridge as mm-hmm. opposed to a typical solo. solo yeah. But my, my guitar heroes throughout the years have been have stemmed from many decades uh, over the years of, of classical rock bands. You know, of Jimmy Page and Angus Young to you know Eddie Van Halen to um, you know, up through the 80s guitar players. I mean, as much as they get a bad rap of being the hair metal bands, they right. were all great guitar, guitar players. Yeah. From George Lynch from Dokken and Warren D. Martini from Rat and all these guys were just monster players. And uh, especially George Lynch was like around the time where I was, I started picking up the guitar and playing. I just thought he was a shredder, but he was tasteful. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he didn't, he he used it properly, in my opinion. Up to the grunge days of Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Change, very melodic, obviously, yep. great sense of melody because he sings great too. So he's always writing and playing um, things that are memorable. Even Mick Mars from Motley Crue, they mm-hmm. were always tasteful, melodic to me. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, so I try to pick and learn from all all players from many you know genres and many decades of, of players and and uh, you know throw a little bit of all into the pot and hopefully picked up enough from them to develop my own as well. Excellent. And, and just a quick wrap up question: um, As we're here before one of your live shows, what are a couple of your favorite Disturbed songs to play live? Yeah, it, it's at the moment. Or... It, it, it's so tough because they are so personal to us, but mm-hmm. they've always had their moments. I mean, as, as old of a song as Down With The Sickness is, and it's mm-hmm. not something I normally would play at home. Right. But playing here, it still has new life to me every day because obviously the second we start the song, the fans go crazy. Yeah. So that adrenaline rush is still there. But as far as maybe you know performance, I love coming out with "Are You Ready Now" just because yeah. it's got such a cool groove to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it, the energy and, and the groove to it. Um, you know, "No More" that we've we've been playing quite a few times throughout this this set is is off the new album. That's kind of got a little bit of that anthemic, you know, just yeah. kind of cool groove and, and bouncy. Um, "Stupefy" is always a, a fun one too, just because it's another. You know, first album track, but just a fun one to play. Excellent. Well, Dan, I appreciate you coming here. Thank you. And thank you again for your time. Thank you. Have a great show. All right. Thanks. See you out there. The Adamantium.